The following is a special sponsored edition of the Big Four Bio Podcast. Daniel Levine, and this is the Big Four Bio Podcast. While the development of genetic therapies promises to revolutionize medicine, Many challenges remain before this emerging area of therapeutics can be fully realized. Senda Biosciences is tapping into a world of naturally existing nanoparticles to address these challenges. It's creating new classes of programmable medicines by performing deep molecular profiling and advanced analytics on an expansive world of natural nanoparticles and what it calls information molecules, such as mRNA. We spoke to Senda CEO, Guillaume Pfeffer, and Senda Chief Platform Officer, Stuart Milstein, about its platform technology, how it's building an atlas of natural nanoparticles, and how its work is leading to a pipeline of programmable medicines. Guillaume, Stuart, thanks for joining us. Danny, very nice to uh, speak with you. Nice to meet you. We're going to talk about genetic medicines like mRNA, CERNAs, and gene editors, and why the challenges that need to be addressed go beyond just delivery, and how Senda is tapping into a world of naturally existing nanoparticles to address those challenges. We're in an exciting time with a growing number of genetic medicines in development, but Let's start with the challenges that nucleic acid therapeutics today face. What are those challenges? Yeah, thank you, Danny, for that great question. Uh, we all in this industry around about the same pursuit uh, of bringing novel medicine uh, to treat uh, patients. Uh, and we were very excited when we cracked uh, a code from nature, a genetic code, and so emerging so many companies with uh, programmable nucleic acid, we thought we could translate uh, abundancy with um, nucleic acid that would be at this stage fully programmable into abundant nucleic acid medicine. So one of the first limitations is, has been translation. We are not seeing yet uh, as many nucleic acid medicine that uh, we would like to see and uh, realize that uh, if we can program nucleic acids, we cannot program nucleic acid medicine. Um, and the key things for, for, for us looking at what are the limitations is if nucleic acid answer the programming of the within the cells, so you program through genetic codes, you get nucleic acid molecule, and they literally, if they were in the right cells, they will contribute to reprogram the cells the way the molecule had be designed to do so. But the problem is we cannot bring the right nucleic acid to the right cell at the right time. So we have solved the within the cells from a programmation viewpoint with nucleic acid. We simply cannot today program the to the cells and therefore program comprehensively medicine and bring more medicine to patient uh, faster. And uh, that's, that's really one of the key limitations we're seeing here. 
but we the good news, Danny, we made good progress. Uh, but we have uh, we've cracking one code for the weaving. Uh, we need to crack the two the sales uh, code to uh, be able to program nucleic acid medicine. We've seen a, a lot of interest in the identification and development of new vectors such as liquid nanoparticles. To what extent are these a solution? I can start, but I would love for Stu to comment as well. Um, building on what we said before, uh, certainly uh, we've been all clear about the uh, limitation of the uh, nucleic acid, the tuber self is not solved. And for more than 40 years, we've been uh, looking at ways to address the tuber cells. And one of the main technology today is uh, what you mentioned, Danny, a lipid nanoparticle that are pretty much used across the board and pretty much the only solution we have today to bring nucleic acid to the cells. They are very limited. Uh, they have uh, limitation with regard to the uh, tissues and cells we can uh, target. Uh, mainly liver is being targeted with uh, uh, lipid nanoparticle. Uh, they also have some limitation with regard to reactogenicity and somewhat tolerability. Uh, for instance, we cannot repeat those uh, on a regular basis uh, with uh, synthetic lipid nanoparticle. And somewhat they are not programmable at all. There is very much some limitation with regard to what could be used to uh, put together lipid nanoparticles. So uh, limitation with regard to tissues and cells, limitation with regard to the ability to uh, repeat those and around the tolerability and certainly no programmation whatsoever. And Stu can maybe add a few comments uh, on the... Uh, uh, lipid nanoparticle question that you just asked, Danny. Yeah, um, uh, like an important question. So in the field of, of traditional lipid nanoparticles, there's been um, significant progress made there, but the utility has really still been restricted to the liver and a few tissues beyond that. But by and large, we haven't made much progress as, as an industry beyond that for, for traditional lipid nanoparticles. We see uh, a very big uh, area where we can improve with our, our send RNAs, where we've been able to demonstrate that we can open up uh, many additional tissues and cell types for delivery of, of nucleic acid therapeutics primarily. And, you know, we do that by being inspired by or, or learning from what nature or evolution has already provided in this space, where we're trying to identify the programming language that evolution has has provided to us through um, through you know endless experiments on inter and intraspecies um, communication through different species across across all kingdoms of life. Senda describes its focus as harnessing natural cross kingdom communication. What is cross kingdom communication, and and why is that important in your work? I was mentioning before forty years of. Uh... Uh, worked in the lab uh, and, and synthetic lipid, if you want, that has been uh, part of what the industry found out to uh, bring mRNA to cells and the limitation. The, at the very start of it, Danny, for Sanda, was the idea that maybe we could benefit of millions of years of evolution as an head start to um, um, solve for the uh, um, uh, programmable to the cells. So we, we realize indeed that every species from every kingdom of life have actually evolved 
to send molecules to cells of other species in their surrounding. We are in constant communication in any ecosystem you're finding in nature, including in our own body, but not only. And we started to pick up an interest on how this communication are being enabled uh, intercellularly between different species. It turns out these communication are targeted. Um, they basically species send molecules to targeted cells over the species around them. These communication are safe and repeated. And all of the key attributes you would like to see for a therapeutic um, um, nucleic acid medicine, if you want. So we started looking very uh, precisely at actually at molecular level and how this communication, uh, interspecies communication are being enabled. And we realized uh, we had nano-sized uh, vesicle or particle, if you want, that uh, were found universally across all species and kingdom of life, enabling the intercellular communication. And what we did is unpacking the chemical composition of this natural nanoparticle um, and seeing this molecule uh, in this natural nanoparticle as the language that enabled their um, tropism or directionality of a communication, the safe and repeat dosing as well. And that's what we build at Sender. Senda is a flagship pioneering company, and as I understand it, it combines multiple research efforts that originated at flagship. How did it come about? Yeah, thanks for the question. It's a, a really typical to any flagship companies, and you know, in addition of uh, being CEO of Senda, I'm also a partner at flagship, so I'm always quite excited to be uh, representing the uh, fine word done by flagship in general. And we'll send us one of or many companies. We originate our company ourselves. Um, we uh, try to put ourselves in a position where nobody have been uh, there before. So we, we're trying to get into breakthrough innovation instead of incremental innovation. And for Senda in the flagship lab, uh, the recognition that mRNA and nucleic acid medicine were limited. And we needed to find a program to uh, address a chemical addressing language, if you want to program the two of the cells. We started looking uh, in the flagship lab and how nature may have solved for this problem. And we started looking at plants and bacteria. And, and soon enough, we were prototyping two companies, two separated companies, one on plants and how plants have evolved to communicate with the surrounding. And uh, we were also in parallel building and prototyping another company looking at how bacteria have evolved to communicate with the surrounding. And soon enough, we realized we could likely address a universal language uh, that will uh, be um, uh, the foundation for a great company. And we um, assembled several companies of a portfolio, including the two that I mentioned, into Senda. And we unveiled Senda in October 2020. Uh, and since then, I've been going beyond plant and bacteria into uh, up to five kingdoms of life and constless species to impact the chemical addressing language invented by evolution, if you want. Uh, and uh, I've been building Senda since then. The language Senda uses is very much out of information technology, but the idea here is to create what you call comprehensively programmable medicines. Before we walk through the platform, what aspects of a therapy are you seeking to make programmable? 
So when we think about fully programmable medicines, we really mean programmability. And that's to be able to rationally design and program the medicines in their entirety. So when we think about the medicine as a whole, the two components that are, are, are fundamental are the nanoparticle itself and the information or effector molecule that we're trying to, to, to use in those nanoparticles. Um, we've talked a good deal about the nanoparticles themselves, our inspiration from evolution. And that inspiration from evolution allowed, we've, we've, um, we've carried out a large number of experiments based on that to characterize the molecular components that might make up that communication, that inter and intraspecies communication system. We can use that as the basis for understanding the natural programming language, and then also use those components themselves for the programming of the nanoparticles. We can then combine those with the programmable information molecules to have the fully programmable medicines so that we can manage to program them to the cells, which is largely based on the nanoprogram, nanoparticle itself, and within the cell where the information molecule is really core to the function. Senda is scouring the world of natural nanoparticles and building an atlas of those particles. How big a universe of molecules are you looking at and where are you looking to find them? Yeah, thank you, Danny, for the question. I was mentioning that we are sourcing the natural programming language in various kingdom of life and countless species, so five kingdom of life at this stage, really countless species. Uh, but what it boiled down to is an atlas of molecular feature that we systematically build by mining uh, through this um, inter-species communication system. And we have right now 75,000 molecular feature in the atlas that literally represents the uh, chemical addressing code that we're using to program nanoparticle. And what will medicines that grow out of a fully programmable approach be able to do? Well, we believe at this stage to be absolutely the first company to be equipped with the ability to not only program uh, the uh, nucleic acid and for Sanda mRNA, but also for the very first time, uh, the nanoparticles. So we can program the within the cell and to the cell. And therefore, we are the first to be able to program comprehensively or fully uh, medicine. Um, and that put us into a, an amazing place where we can literally, at this stage, um, think about any kind of disease, any kind of starting with any kind of tissues, any kind of cells, um, thinking about a wide range of modalities ranging from uh, DNA, mRNA, gene editor, gene writer, protein, and, and peptide. And that gives us the uh, ability to think that the vision of uh, bringing more medicine to more patients faster may become a reality. How does the platform work? What's the input? What's the process? And what's the output? The way the platform works and the inputs and, and outputs are, are the beginning is, is the atlas that we've described. And that, that's that, the reservoir of, of molecular features and information that we can use to program the nanoparticles. So we can use this to optimize for a number of different things based on the different properties or different attributes that we want to optimize within the nanoparticle itself, whether they be for targeting to specific cells or specific cell types or different tissues. 
Um, and we can use that to, to in, in both empirical experiments to, to make these nanoparticles, but fundamentally in modeling and AI so that we can learn from all this information and come up with a rational programming language. The output, of course, is, as we've mentioned, is, is fully programmable medicines, where we have a handle on the rational design of both the nanoparticle itself, so we can program at will where we want them to be, and the effector molecules, so that we can make sure that they can address the unmet medical need that we're trying to address. One of the other potentials of this technology is that it can be used to deliver peptides and nucleic acids through oral administration can you explain how that would work and what the ability to deploy large biomolecules would mean? Yeah, so we've been able to deliver our send RNAs and send proteins through, through multiple routes of administration, including IV, sub-Q. And we've also generated some very exciting data with our, our nanoparticles through the oral route of administration. This can open up a huge number of therapeutic opportunities. Again, it gives us the ability to target these nanoparticles and their nucleic acid um, therapeutics within two different tissues or cell types that we've, we've not been able to access so far. But it also gives us the ability to potentially change some, some therapeutic routes of administration from more invasive routes like IV or sub-Q to, to an oral route of administration. And what's the business model? Does send a plan to capitalize on the technology through partnerships, through the development of its own pipeline, or, or both? Yeah, we're building a multi-product platform company, um, and which also means that we have, uh, obviously, a very aggressive partnership uh, strategy. Um, as I said before, we could move into many different therapeutic areas, as well as uh, embracing uh, a wide range of modalities. So from a partnership viewpoint, which is a critical part of our strategy to make this technology available to the industry and ultimately to patient, we're looking at partnering with uh, companies that have deep knowledge in a very novel biology. That's one criteria that bring modalities that we don't have, a nucleic acid uh, or, or if you want programmable um, molecule that we don't have, and also um, potentially um, expert in a field of medicine, which is very complicated uh, to navigate through uh, development and ultimately um, um, licensing and making the drug available to patients. So we are making progress on partnership. Partnership is a critical part of what we want to do, but we will also obviously, in a very selective way, uh, advance one program. The one thing we will continue to do no matter what, especially with the um, great potential we've seen so far, is continue to invest in the platform as an engine for novel um, uh, medicine going forward. What does the preclinical pipeline look like today, and how soon might you be in the clinic? So we had uh, a, a moment of uh, um, kind of a recollection, if you want, of what we had achieved uh, with a platform at the end of last year and looked at the many opportunities we had and decided to move first in the uh, area of therapeutic um, needs that has the most growth because this is the area where we have the most unmet medical need which is immunotherapy in a very broad sense of term. 
And we knew we could position successfully the te whole technology into immunotherapy with already translation into non-human primates um, and very positive data on, on many potential uh, applications from product viewpoint. So immunotherapy will be the first area of focus for us. But we already have unlocked other opportunities for future medicine, especially around new tissues such as lung and pancreas, but also the ability to repeat those that may help us to move into um, a chronic disease. And we also have been quite successful positioning this technology for gene therapy. So more will come, but the first wave of products we're going to be focusing on will be immunotherapies, and we're making very good progress to position this uh, series of program at the door of clinical trial within, within the next two years. The company has raised about $260 million to date. How far will existing funding take you, and what's the plan for future financings? So we had uh, a, a moment of uh, um, kind of a recollection, if you want, of what we had achieved uh, with a platform at the end of last year and looked at the many opportunities we had and decided to move first in the uh, area of therapeutic um, needs that has the most growth because this is the area where we have the most unmet medical need which is immunotherapy in a very broad sense of term. And we knew we could position successfully the te whole technology into immunotherapy with already translation into non-human primates um, and very positive data on, on many potential uh, applications from product viewpoint. So immunotherapy will be the first area of focus for us. But we already have unlocked other opportunities for future medicine especially around new tissues such as lung and pancreas, but also the ability to repeat those that may help us to move into um, a chronic disease. And we also have been quite successful positioning this technology for gene therapy. So more will come, but the first wave of products we're going to be focusing on will be immunotherapies, and we're making very good progress to position this uh, series of programs at the door of clinical trial within within the next two years. Guillaume Pfeffer, CEO of Senda Biosciences, and Stuart Milstein, Chief Platform Officer for Senda. Thank you both for your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. The Big Four Bio podcast is brought to you by Big Four Bio, a leading aggregator service of four of the top life sciences centers in the world, Boston, San Diego, Philadelphia, the San Francisco Bay Area. To subscribe for free to Big Four's daily newsletters, go to bigfourbio.com. This podcast is produced by the Levine Media Group for Big Four Bio. Our theme music is provided for the podcast by the Jonah Levine Collective and appears on the album Attention Deficit on Alpha Pup Records. 